The readings taken from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, it's fantastic to be back with you here at uh, St. Paul's Leamington. Uh, I, it's, um, thank you, Jonathan, for your welcome and for making me feel so welcome this morning. And uh, thank you to Carolyn, too, for just all the work that you do in connecting us well and keeping us really um, up to speed with what's going on here and part of the, the life of the church here. And it's fantastic to be partnering with you 
here at St. Paul's. It's good to see my friend Simon as well, who we used to lead, uh, Simon Brown and I used to lead a youth group together uh, in Birmingham many years ago. Um, but so it's so good to be uh, here with you. And I want to thank you for your ongoing prayer and support for our brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, because without your ongoing prayer and support, um, they would not be able to keep going in the way that they are and to be able to keep standing for Jesus. And so uh, thank you so much. I'd just like to pray as we look at this passage of Scripture that we've just had uh, read to us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for the privilege of knowing you, Jesus. Just as you had this encounter with Nicodemus, thank you that each of us can have a personal encounter with you too. And I pray this morning for those here, those watching at home or wherever they are, Lord Jesus, that we would have a fresh encounter with you through your Holy Spirit. Today we ask in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I was, uh, in pre- as I was preparing for this, I've been on holiday actually for a few days in, at Malvern. And um, I looked at your website, and I saw your vision statement. And your vision statement says, our vision is to see Leamington changed one life at a time. And I was, I was just reflecting on that and thinking about that. And just think, when we look at the encounters Jesus had in the Bible, many of those encounters that he had with people were with one person. And so I love your vision statement of reaching Royal Leamington Spa, the community around you, one life at a time. And I want to encourage you to, to keep hold of that and to remember that, not just when you're here, but, you know, when, when, when we're at work, when we're at school, when we're in the marketplace, when we're um, doing the leisure things that we love to do, when we're at the pub, when, wherever we are, let's remember that actually we're called, our vision is to see uh, Leamington changed one life at a time. And I know that you're looking at the theme of encounters with Jesus, and you're looking at the Gospel of uh, John. And here we look, this morning we're looking at the encounter Jesus had with Nicodemus. And in John 3, chapter 1, sorry, John 3, verse 1, Jesus says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So Nicodemus, the first thing we learn about him was he was a Pharisee. Now, I don't know what comes into your mind when you think about Pharisees. But um, for, for many of us, I'm sure we think, oh, they were the really religious people. That they were the ones that um, maybe we look at being a little bit hypocritical sometimes. The ones that actually knew it all, but maybe the way they lived didn't match up to that sometimes. And yet, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, they were... That they were like the top of the, the pile. They were the, they were the educated people. They were the respected people. They were the ones that loved the word of God, that had a zeal and passion to follow God. And so they were hugely respected in this, um, in this day. And they were the select group. They were the, the top of the pile. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Not only was he a member Um, Not only was he a Pharisee, but he was also, this verse tells us, that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, just doing a little bit of research on that, I discovered that there were only 71 members of this council. 
And uh, so Nicodemus was not only one of the, one of the best of the best, he was, he was even higher than that. He was, he was in the, uh, the, 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 the ruling council of the day of, in Israel. And then we read in verse 4 that also Nicodemus was an old man. And, and in those times, the old people would be hugely respected because of their experience they'd been through, through all the wisdom that they'd gathered through life. And so they would have, he would have probably even been in that select group of 71, even higher than that. And then we read later on that Jesus said to Nicodemus that he was the teacher of the children of Israel, the teacher of Israel. And so he, was, he would have been probably, you know, maybe in the top 10 or so in, in these people that were hugely respected. They, they would, he would have been involved in writing laws and all kinds of things that people would have looked up to him. And here he comes to be with Jesus. And in verse 2, we read, He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So here we see that, that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Now, we don't know why he came to Jesus at night, but my guess is, and a lot of people, a lot of theologians have, have commented on this too, that actually it's because he didn't want to be seen. Because he was so respected, he was so highly looked upon, he wanted to go to Jesus at night so that no one would see him. And you know, many of our, many of our brothers and sisters around the world, they have to come and meet together in secret too. Because if they're seen, then they may not, there's not only their, their livelihoods they lose, they could lose, as we saw in the video just now, in some countries, you could lose your life for following Jesus. I remember being in a, in a country in Asia once where we were driven um, quite far out in the country and we were in an off-road uh, vehicle. And when we, the vehicle could not go any further, uh, we basically got out of the vehicle and then walked about another four or five miles to meet with three believers who had never, meet, as far as I'm aware, hadn't had the opportunity to meet and pray with other believers before, except for the, the two of them, or three of them, sorry. And uh, so we just had this amazing, in the middle of nowhere, where there was no one around, we were able to have this just fellowship together. And we were able to break bread together, share in the communion together, and, and just be able to, to encourage. And it was them, and, and they encouraged us probably more than we were able to encourage them. But it's just remarkable to think how, how far away from the towns and the cities and people we had to go where it was safe for them to be able to uh, be able to meet in this way. And here, Nicodemus goes at night to be with Jesus. And he says, Rabbi, he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Now, Nicodemus was on his own. So when he uses the word we, who was he talking about? Well, I want to come back to that in a moment, where I think... I think, I've, I think from the passage we can understand a little bit more later of who he was meaning when he said we. Jesus replies to Nicodemus. And, uh, you know, Nicodemus hadn't actually asked a question, had he? 
And yet Jesus just goes straight in with it. Remember Nicodemus, this respected, important man. And Jesus replies, very truly I tell you, in verse 3, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Wow, Jesus was just straight in there, wasn't he? Telling them that you cannot... I mean, this is a man who had studied the Old Testament for years, all of his life. He'd followed all the religious rules and laws. And yet Jesus here tells him, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. That must have been a shock to Nicodemus, who had given his life to, to studying, studying the Old Testament. And in verse 4, Nicodemus says, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. And then in verse 5, Jesus says this. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So here, Jesus is, is telling Nicodemus what it really means to be born again. It's not about, as Nicodemus said, do I have to go back into my mother's womb a second time? What are you talking about, Jesus? No, G Jesus says to Nicodemus, you need to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Now, I've, I've, I've read many commentaries on this, and many people think that some people think that the water is about the, the human birth and the Spirit about our Christian rebirth. Some talk about it being the water being like the baptism of water and, uh, and then being filled with the Spirit as the Spirit descended on Jesus as a dove. I, I'm, I'm not sure that Jesus was talking about baptism when he was speaking to Nicodemus. Because at that point, Nicodemus probably knew nothing about baptism in water. I, I think he was referring... Because Nicodemus, don't forget, he was a, a scholar of the Old Testament. I think Jesus was referring to a passage in Ezekiel where he talks about the sprinkling of the water for the cleansing and then God would send his spirit to empower the people. And so what he was saying to Nicodemus was you need to be cleansed. It's, it's not good enough just doing all the right things and knowing all the right things. You've got, to, you've got to be cleansed from the inside. You need the Spirit of God to be able to, to fill you, to be able to be born again so that we can, we can be the people that God has called us to be. It's not just about how much we know or how good we are or what we've done. But it's only through God's grace, isn't it, that we are able to be changed from the inside so that we can know what it really means to be born again and to follow Jesus. And so Nicodemus had this encounter with Jesus. Nicodemus in verse 9 says, how can this be? See, Nicodemus, he's, he's dedicated his whole life to the study of Scripture, and now Jesus is turning it all upside down. 
And Nicodemus has taught um, that you become part of God's kingdom by, by doing the right things. That's what he'd been taught. But Jesus was turning it all around. And in verse 10, this is Jesus speaking. He says, you are Israel's teacher. So again, very senior, said Jesus. And you do not understand these things? And then in verse 14, Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Here again, Jesus was referring back to the Old Testament, in the story in Numbers where uh, Moses God gave him, told him to, to make that bronze snake. That whenever he was lifted up, because all the, the children of Israel at the time were being bitten by poisonous snakes and dying. And any time Moses held the snake up, this bronze snake, they were able to, as they looked at the snake, they were healed. Jesus was reminding Nicodemus of that story. You know, we don't read much more about Nicodemus. There are two other passages that I've discovered where Nicodemus is mentioned. And they're both in the same Gospel of John. The next one is in, in John 7, verse 45. And this is where, after Jesus has been, been causing quite a stir, and, and many of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin of the day were actually getting quite concerned about the teachings that Jesus and the, the, the statements that he was making. And here in John chapter 7 and um, verse 45, we read this. Finally, the temple gods went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the gods replied. You mean he's deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Have any of the, the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? You see, Nicodemus was, was here and he was hearing all that was going on. And he, he says... Hang on, doesn't the law say that we need to hear from Jesus himself? He was defending Jesus. And he was at the, that moment. So he had had that encounter with Jesus earlier on where he went to him at night time. And then just a few chapters later, he's there defending Jesus. And then the next time you read about Nicodemus is in John 19. And this is at verse 38. And this is after Jesus had died on the cross, took the punishment for our sin. And if you remember the story with his, where Jesus was with his disciples, and, and uh, they'd said, oh, we will follow you wherever you go, we'll, we'll even go to death with you. That's what Peter said. And then Peter has just denied Jesus. And Jesus has died on the cross, and all the disciples have, are, have gone, left him alone gone back to what they were maybe doing before. But what happens to Nicodemus? In John 19, verse 38, it says this, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. Here again, 
another secret disciple of Jesus. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial system. So Joseph the Sanhedrin, he was a secret disciple. And those those two words almost don't kind of match up, do they? A disciple of Jesus and yet a secret? But in our day, today, where we live, as, as we just heard, there are 340 million Christians in our world, many of those have to keep their faith in Jesus a secret because if they don't, then they will lose their lives for it. Many believers have to meet together in secret. And Joseph was accompanied by Nicodemus. Remember earlier in the passage where we read that we know that you are a teacher where Nicodemus said we? I'm thinking this is the we he's talking about. I think Nicodemus was referring to Joseph. I I reckon they had meetings after the board meeting. You know those kind of meetings that happen where in the car park where the real stuff gets talked about? I I think Joseph and Nicodemus were having those discussions around, is he really the one? Is he the one we've been waiting for? And they had discovered... I also think they've probably said to each other, who's going to go and see him? Who's going to go and spend some time with Jesus? Joseph, is it you? And Joseph probably said, no, you go, Nicodemus. And there's Nicodemus having that encounter with Jesus. And he becomes a follower, disciple of Jesus. You see, Jesus had been abandoned at this point by his disciples. And yet, Joseph and Nicodemus... Because of the encounter Nicodemus had had, he was there burying Jesus. Now, normally when people were crucified, a a, a sinner's death, a, a criminal's death, they wouldn't be buried. They would be taken off the cross and left somewhere for the vultures and the foxes to eat. And so by doing this, by by taking Jesus' body and putting it in a tomb, they would have been seen. And so no longer was their faith a secret. They were no longer secret disciples of Jesus. They'd gone public at this moment. And I want to encourage us. You know, we in our, where, where we live, we do not need to keep our faith in Jesus a secret. Let's be those who are willing to be with Jesus and to, to be those who people around us can see, hey, They're a follower of Jesus. Look at them. Look at the way they do this. Look at the way they live. I want to encourage us to be those who are like that. I need that in myself. And I just want to finish with two quick stories of two people that I've met just, well, I say just recently. I haven't traveled now for over a year because of um, lockdown. But um, a man, first of all, is a boy named Giovanni from Africa, Central African Republic. He was nine years old. And a, and, and a Muslim uh, extremist threw a grenade into his church as he was worshipping. 
And um, unfortunately, it landed just by where Giovanni was worshipping. And he lost both of his legs. Um, amazingly, he, he survived. And uh, he's now got prosthetic limbs, two prosthetic legs. And he goes around on, with his crutches and his prosthetic legs. And he, st- and he plays football with all his friends, even like that, which is incredible. But when we met Giovanni, he said this. He said, if I should one day meet the Muslim man who shot the grenades at my church, I will not be angry. I will smile. I do not even have the heart to hurt him. I think that he doesn't really know how terrible it was what he has done. I will greet him and say, God forgives you and he wants me to forgive you too. You do not know what you have done to me, but I forgive you. And once I've told him that, I will never be angry with him again. I'm very happy that Open Doors pays the medical bills and the school fees because I like very much to read books and study. When I grow up, I want to be a doctor so that I can help other people. If God wants me to be a doctor, I will become a doctor. But if God has other plans for me, that is okay too. He's a nine-year-old boy who at some point himself had had an encounter with Jesus that gave him the ability to be able to forgive a man for what he had done to him. I think that's incredible. Finally, I want to leave you with this story of a man named Wang Mindao from China. This was during the Cultural Revolution. He was a pastor of a church. He was, put in, he was arrested and put into prison for 22 and a half years. Towards the end of his sentence, an officer came to him and said, and, and said uh, Wang Mindao, sign this declaration um, uh, where you basically deny your faith in Jesus and we'll let you, you will let you go. I think they caught Wang Mingdao probably at a, at a weak moment when he was thinking about his friends and family and his church that he'd left behind. And he signed the document and he walked out of the prison, a free man. He walked down the road and he said as he was walking away from the prison, he knew he'd made a terrible mistake. So he turned around, he went back to the prison He went to the officers and said, please, will you tear that up? He said, I do not deny my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. He said, you can do what you want to me. They put him back in prison and they sentenced him to a further 22 and a half years. For seven of those years, he was in in isolation. I I don't know if you could imagine what that could be like after what we've just been through. And maybe some of us have struggled being, you know, isolated in our homes. But he was isolated on his own for seven years. Didn't see a a soul. And he said he found it really hard because he was an evangelist. And he loved telling people the good news about Jesus. And he was unable to do that. And he said in his cell, he was crying out to Jesus. And then he heard a noise coming from the corner of his cell. And, and he realized it was people speaking, and it, he, he went to the corner and realized it, it was his toilet. I mean, not a toilet as we know it, just a hole in the ground. And he discovered that all the, all the toilets, all the sewage pipes were connected to all the other cells. So he decided that every day he was going to preach the gospel down the toilet. So he did this for seven years, not hearing about anything. After seven years, when he was finally allowed to go and meet some of the other prisoners in the courtyard, he discovered that in seven years, 96 prisoners had given their lives to Jesus. 
Isn't that incredible? A man in a cell, isolated, and yet God was able to use him. Wang Min Dao said this, I had no Bible, no pulpit, no audience, no pen and paper. I could do nothing except get to know God. And for 20 years, that was the greatest relationship I'd ever known. When I was in the cell, the only thing I was focused on was getting to know Jesus. It was only me and him in that cell. And then Wang Dao said this. He said, you need to build yourself a cell where it's only you and Jesus. Wow. We need to build ourselves a cell where it's just me and Jesus. I don't know what that represents for you. I know that we can't build ourselves a prison cell. But we might have a chair at home that we sit on. And we know that when we're sat there, that's when we're relaxed. That's when we can just um, pray and read our Bible and hear Jesus speak to us and have that encounter with Jesus. Or it might be a, you know, you go, you're like me, going out for a, a walk does that. A walk in the country helps you just feel closer to Jesus. But wherever it is for you, I want to encourage us to build ourselves a cell where it's just you and Jesus. Because Jesus, like he did with Nicodemus, longs to have that one-to-one encounter with you and I. Should we pray together?